You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hi, I'm Joe Heath. And I'm Tony Heath. And we host the Watchathon Arasalon. A journey through all of Doctor Who, one serial at a time. Listen in and you will learn about two facts. Tune in and hear our Dinobots. Find out how little we actually know about science, history, Doctor Who, and pretty much anything else. The Watchathon of Rassilon. A proud member of the ESO Network. Available wherever you get your podcast fix. Keep calm and rassle on. Goodbye, and I love you. And welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. I am your host, the Monster, back to give you what I've been trying to do for quite some many months, is to record my thoughts about all the CW shows, less Black Lightning, on what I thought about each season, and then... That kind of got away from me, and then Comic-Con came on right after, after that, and I'm like, I'll do the review of the season and what happened after Comic-Con. And that got away from me, and then all the news kept popping up about what casting choices are going to be made for the actual uh, crossover series, the crisis, the big crisis event, and what the casting news is about. So I'm like, Jesus Every day something else was coming out and I'm like, I'm losing time. Because literally, I'm recording this on a Saturday, which I am off. Tomorrow is the first episode of Batwoman. So I'm trying to get this done right now before Batwoman comes out. Because I will be reviewing Batwoman, which I'll release next week. But I've been putting this off and putting this off and putting this off. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm trying to figure out a way how I can do this in a more manageable way. Because my time is really, it's hard to navigate at times. Because I'm doing so many different projects. Um, whether it's at work or trying to ma- navigate stuff here. And then I still have other things that I'm working on that I'm like, I can't do this all. The idea was, again, I'm going to talk very briefly about each of the series, which is going to be about Supergirl, Arrow, The Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow. Then I'll talk about stuff that I, uh, when I watch the Comic-Con comic panel for them, talk about what their uh, little tidbit news that is going to be happening for the new season coming up. And then lastly, I'll talk about the casting news. That uh, really has got me really super excited about everything that has happened so far. And again, really happy to be a DC fan. And I'm like, but I'm just kind of like putting it off and putting it off. Stop. Just do the damn podcast already. That's what I'm doing already. All right. So let me start off with this note. I'm in love with Melissa Bonoyce as Supergirl, Carol Danvers. She is fantastic. And honestly, she is so damn cute. And I'll talk about that when I talk about the Comic-Con stuff. But I just love the way she just carries and embodies this character all together. So um, for the season, which is season four for Supergirl... One of the cool things that I loved, uh, the story arc, and I'm sorry, spoilers right off the bat, not that, you know, again, anyone's listening, but if you happen to be listening and you never caught up on any of the shows, I'm going to be talking about what happened on the last season, so don't bother to blame me if I spoil things, but again, no one listens, so I'm in the clear, so, alright, so, uh, Supergirl, we have, uh, the storyline in which there's a rising, um, climate of alien resentment hmm i wonder where they could have picked that from up because that's the kind of stuff that i'm like 
it might have been a little too on the nose because of what's going on in our current state of affairs with uh, illegal aliens or migrants trying to come uh, to into our countries or immigrants come, trying to come into our country. Uh, but it did play well throughout the whole season. And the kind of like the big bad was Ben Lockwood. Uh, he became this character named Agent Liberty. So he kind of was like the face of this kind of like pro-Earth, pro-human kind of cause that he was against that type of situation. And I loved his backstory because it kind of showcased that he was never like this. But because of the situation uh, with the plant that his father worked, had to shut down. And because of new technology with nth metal and all this, kind of put his that factory out of work. And then... You know, his father had hard times and that kind of manifested into forming this new personality that Ben Lockwood came to be. Um, There's also an introduction of a character called Manchester Black, which I knew from Superman versus the Elites. And it was an animated uh, uh, movie that came out a couple of years ago. And I love that character. And I kind of dug what they did for the season. But to me, I think the outstanding moment, and I was a little kind of like a little worried that this was going to be happening, was that John Cryer is playing Lex Luthor. Now, if you know, you know, Two and a Half Men that he's on there, I know him as Ducky from Pretty in Pink. But he also played Lenny Luthor, who was the nephew of Lex Luthor in Superman for The Quest for Peace. So... There was a little apprehension there, but I will say he really owns Lex Luthor, and I love his interpretation. Just like every other Superman incarnation, from The Adventures of Superboy to um, Lois and Clark in The Adventures of Superman, um, those are really good roles for all those guys who play Lex Luthor. Whether he has hair or not doesn't make a difference. But here, John Cry gives his own take, and I love it. I really enjoyed what he was able to do. And, of course, playing the the games that he would normally play. He knows how to outsmart people. And he plays, you know, them accordingly. So the big moment at the end, again, spoilers, was that he reveals... Um, let me back that up for a moment Lena his sister shoots Lex and and not like you know straight in the heart or whatever but like I think the side of his neck or something like that or something that is going to be a mortal wound because he says as he's holding himself you know he shows her the blood it's like you killed me but before I go literally he starts saying you know everyone that you love everyone that you cared about have been lying to your face. And Lena is taken aback by this because he literally plays like all these greatest clips of Supergirl, Cara Danvers. That Supergirl, when she takes off the glasses and does her her powers, I'm like, you've been been playing as a fool. And that stuck with her. And that's the thing that I was just like, was blown away by that very moment because, you know, Lex Luthor and Superman have always been rivals throughout all the comics and throughout all the TV series. That's always going to happen. So it was kind of curious to see, are they going to do that in this series? Because it there were some secrets that Lena Luthor was keeping from Cara Danvers, but it was for a greater good. Not that she was doing anything wrong, but... She wasn't necessarily 100% honest all the time. And same thing with Kara. She also had secrets because she's Supergirl. And many times, she also wanted to reveal her secret identity to her. So when the incident, when he finally dies, or is about to die, you know, it cuts to a party that Kara's having with her friends, and then Lena shows up with a couple bottles of wine... So when Lena says to Kara, because they had a bit of a falling out, you know, I'm always with you. It carries so much weight and the implication of 
you know, Lena's is having this cover to be like, oh, we're just friends, but then in the background, and we see later on, like she she smashes her picture with uh with her and uh, Kara with a glass that she's drinking from, and just smashes the frame picture. So that setup, I'm super excited because it was kind of not necessarily hinting, but I was hoping that it would go down this road that the two of them would become adversaries, right? Just like the traditional Lex and Superman story arc. We finally get that, but now with women, which excites me even more because they've been fantastic up to then. We also get Miss Tashmaka! <laughs> I tried. Because <laughs> if I do that too long, I start coughing and then I have to edit all that crap out afterwards. So I'm like, I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, really has come into her own. She became a little thing like, oh, that's a joke from, you know, the Superman movies to becoming a character that's actually become part of, you know, the backstory here and really comes into her own. Um, and then the other thing, too, is that the monitor comes back from the crisis uh, and comes to revive Lex Luthor from back from the dead. But, you know, that's what's going to happen. Because why? Comics. No one ever dies. And stays dead. They always come back. So, the a couple of things that I didn't like, which, again, this is just all the stuff I love about Supergirl. Again, it is fantastic. Oh, the other thing I forgot to talk about is the Red Sun, which is now daughter of the storyline. So, you know, if you know the storyline of the Red Sun, the graphic novel in which Superman lands into, as a child, into Russia, as opposed to America. Their version of Superman is a different version, basically, you know, and has uh, a different bent on that character. So they introduce a kind of a clone version, but that clone was raised overseas. So the two of them did finally fight. But what was kind of weird is that because... You have to have both the exact same shot in order to kind of, in my head, for budgetary reasons, you don't want to do a whole lot of special effects to replace, you know, one character's head with another one with a body double because they have to do a lot of fighting. So one of them has to wear a helmet <laughs> to deal with the fighting. So this way, Melissa slash Supergirl can still fight and go back in, in between those characters and you, you say well a ton of money so it's a little hokey that that's what you had to do with your helmet but i'm like they kind of worked it in there so that's how that came all to be fine i'll just go with it but uh she had like a a european accent i, I can't say what kind of european accent it was except that it was very good and to, at least to me i thought she did a fantastic job so there are some little things that I didn't care about, and uh, one of them is for John, or John Jones, uh, is the Martian Manhunter. He leaves the DEO, and basically he sets up shop as his own private investigator, so... Okay, I, I get it. You know, you want to have him be like the comic version of that character. I, I just wish there was something more for him to work on. He was trying to be more of a pacifist with all the violence that had occurred. This was the way he did things. And it did cost him a lot because things did not work out very well. The other thing, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but it just didn't work for me, which is Brainiac 5 and Nina, which is the dreamer. I know you're trying to make it a little cute couple. And at times it's a little quirkiness and, and fun. I just like, uh, it, it just, it's okay. It's not the most thrilling part of watching Supergirl is seeing those two get together. And honestly, Dreamer's power of, I don't know, she's doing some kind of weird lasso thing. I don't know what those are, but it was just, it looked not great. So I expect, you know, not to have great special effects, but this was a bit on a cheesy side, like really bad CGI effects, and like, uh, I can do without that. All right, so let's put that aside. Let's move on to Arrow. So 
one of the things that we did after season five, right, was we had that five-year going back and forth with, <laughs> with the island that Oliver Queen had been on, right? So we did tons of flashback with us over the five years. And season six, we kind of moved away from doing flashbacks at all. And that's great, and that's fantastic. Until we get to season seven, and we're not doing flashbacks, we're doing flash forwards. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me that you're doing a jump to the future with descendants of Oliver Queen and Oliver. I mean, well, Felicity and Oliver Queen, as well as other characters working in the future in which things have not gone well. We don't have Oliver Queen because he's dead. But uh, the thing doesn't look bright. It, 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 things have fallen by the wayside. All right, we'll go with it. And uh, so the problem that I have with Arrow, and I'm not getting into, again, a lot of specifics with the episodes breakdown, but just in general, it's that Arrow has served its purpose. It is a great start to this whole Arrowverse, right? But because they kind of expanded and people have died, it's kind of gotten to the point where I think we've reached the end of this series from that point on, and that's fine. I just thought we're really pushing it with Season 7. We are going to get a Season 8, but it's only 10 episodes, and we already know that Oliver dies. So the monitor does come back and says, you know, now's the time for you to assist me, and, and we got to do our thing. And then later on in the future, we do see Felicity going to the monitor, and she's ready to go, and she wants to see Oliver. So wherever that is... They will be reunited, so. Which I'm kind of excited to see if that actually happens. And that's the other thing that I'm kind of worried about. Because when I talk about the Comic-Con stuff, um, about what's going to happen, it doesn't seem like we're going to have those kind of moments again when we have Felicity and Oliver, so. But again, I, I think we've reached this point in which I know they don't want to overstay their welcome fine and I, I I applaud them for that but I didn't think that overall this was a spectacular season and considering that everyone is going through the exact same familiar beats and and stuff that we've seen before not that the stunts are not fantastic they're not thrilling or the fight sequences are not it's just it's being repetitive and it's time to kind of Let's move on to a different take. All right. Now, if I had problems with Arrow, I have super problems, big super problems with Legends of Tomorrow. All I can say for right now is that when I look at Legends of Tomorrow, it is never going to take itself seriously. Since its incarnation, it's a ragtag team of misfits, basically. You know, everyone is not exactly uh, has a clean slate, except for maybe Ray Palmer. But I'm okay with that, and I love the the options to go weird and to be fun. But for last season. And I know they kind of leaned heavy into that weirdness. It was just so disjointed across the board. Even when the fact that you have Constantine on here, the very thing that I've been wanting for years since Constantine, uh, Matt Ryan had made his uh, premiere a couple of years ago. And I'm like, got excited that he's going to be joining Legends of Tomorrow. And I'm like, 
that's fantastic. This is what I love, the re revolving door of different heroes coming in and some leaving out. And I'm like, great, this is, I'm all gung-ho. But the fact that we left it on such a... All right, the actress who plays Vixen, let's start with this. This is, the, I think, one of my problems that I had. Um, leaves the show, the character, not the actress. <laughs> the character leaves the show. But then they integrate um, like a shapeshifter that looks just like her that gets trapped in that form. So she's playing a different character that just happens to look like Vixen. And I'm like, seriously, this is how we're going to work this out. It's not like, and we'll talk about the Flash. It's not like when Flash talks about the different Earth, like like uh, 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 Wells. He has different version of himself that he converses, and he gets to be different characters every once in a while. Harrison Wells is fantastic at that. Here, that's just lazy. There's no effort like what he has done. The only thing that she's done is that she has kind of like a weird Cockney accent. I did not appreciate that. Considering how far we've gone with this show. And we've gone to the point where you have... um Oh, I'm blanking out on his name. Nate not being with the group and being with the Tom Bureau... You know, not that I want to see him change into, you know, his, his alter ego with that steel form, but I, I, it just seems like they played him completely out and he tried to make his own story to, to deal with stuff on that end. It just never worked all together. And it's just, it was to me a hot mess. And I, I look at the reviews online and a lot of people still enjoyed it. But it was just being so damn goofy for the sake of being goofy and not kind of like funny. Like I'm part of this fun. It, it just didn't, it, it just was very weird and very disappointed considering how much I liked the idea that this could have been Guardians of the Galaxies, uh, the DC version of that great series, right? And... Uh, it stopped being that, and it's it's to me disheartening, considering what the potential was for all the time jumps they can do throughout history, and the fun that they can do. You know, I love Bebo from from last season tremendously. Bebo is a fantastic little uh, weird character that became a thing, but. It's like they, to me, it's like they checked out. So I'm kind of disappointed that that's where we're at with Legends of Tomorrow. Now, they will be coming back after the Crisis series. And I'll talk about more casting news when I do the Comic-Con stuff. But, no. It, it's been less enjoyable this year. Even Arrow on its worst day does not compare to how bad that season has stunk for Legends of Tomorrow. I'm, I'm really, again, super, super disappointed. Alright, so let's move on to The Flash. One of the things that I enjoyed with Flash is that it's a much lighter show than Arrow. But, the exact same problem that Arrow has, which is dealing with you know, the original core characters where you have Caitlin and Cisco and Barry, the group grows. It's the elongated man. You also have Killer Frost, which is Caitlin's alter ego. You have Joe, his wife. Um, you have Harrison Wells doing his own thing, which is still funny as hell. But. Who gets kind of shortchanged? To me, I, I think Iris really gets shortchanged. Because even though the storyline for the last season in which we have their daughter, Excess, come back from the, uh, the futures of the past, 
to kind of save her father and have a relationship with him. The the conflict, the 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 thing that um, the animosity that she felt growing up with her mom, which is Iris, um, should have been a bigger thing. And I kind of it was almost there, but it wasn't enough to me that worthy enough to have uh, Candace, who plays Iris, to do a lot of great things. Like the previous year, when Barry lost his powers, and I think she got it, she got to run around. She got to be the hero of that story. She enjoyed it. And it looked really heartbreaking to me when she had to give up those powers. And I'm not saying that everyone has to have superpowers to be the hero of their story, but God, man, it, it seems like that there's nothing really there for her to do other than be the wife of Barry, you know. And, and then she, tr- she tries to kind of lead the team a little bit better, but I'm like, but aren't you supposed to be like doing like new stuff and reporting and like heading your own paper? And I don't see how you have the time to do all this and do what you're supposed to do on a daily basis to support yourself and Team Flash, you know. Uh, it, look, the, the, the there were some saving moments, and I love what they did with um, what's her name, uh, Kennedy, the one who played Access, the the daughter for um, Barry and and Iris. There was a uh, single episode in which set in the future, kind of like an origin story, but it's like it was her story following the footsteps of her father, becoming a, a CSI, you know, investigator type of thing. And it just was so much energy, so much fun and lightness, and like it reminded me of the early days of The Flash, when it didn't take itself so seriously. And she did a fantastic job on that. And I wish, if there was going to be a spinoff, I would love to see more of her. You know. But, again, when you try to incorporate everyone else into the storyline, it's too long. And to me, it just kind of like hit a wall in the middle of the season. I'm like, it's, it's too much. It really is too much. So... So again, it's not that it flashes bad. It's just that in, in the light of everything else, you're going to have this team that is too much to handle, and trying to give everyone their thing to become part of the story, it's become unworkable at this point. So we'll we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. So now I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to talk about the whole. Uh, comic-con stuff so we'll go from there all right so stay tuned ladies and gentlemen put your hands together for the comedy stylings of Hugh for the board collection when i was part of the board collective my board wife was so fat when she sat around the collective uh she sat around the collective The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Okay, so we are now back to talk about things that I learned about the Comic-Con panel for each of the shows. Let's start off with Supergirl. So the big bad is going to be something called the Leviathan. So Miss Teshmacher... I guess wanted to be out of something and she was talking to some old woman in the Supergirl series and she's like, no, you can't get out because, you know, Leviathan is coming. We shall see what Leviathan is. Uh, Of course, Lex Luthor, John Cryer will be back. Um, They want to focus on their storyline to be more about technology and how it affects society. So their inspiration was literally the writers themselves looking at their devices being in the exact same room, you know, trying to come up with story ideas. Uh, Brainiac 5, the guy who plays Brainy, is going to have a, I guess, a female version of himself, which is going to be played by his real-life sister. 
The other big thing, the big news was who else is going to be joining the cast? Pants, 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 pants. And why am I saying pants a lot? Because that's what they were chanting. So, much like Solomon Grundy wants pants too, Supergirl is getting her outfit redone and getting rid of the skirt and getting pants. So, kudos to her getting pants. And, um, you know, in fairness, she said, you know, the one of the things is like, I'm tired of having my legs cold when I'm shooting in Vancouver, you know, late at night. That's the thing. And that just, she's justified to demand pants, damn it. But the outfit looks fantastic. The only thing I would not, uh, give kudos for is the little weird shoulder buckle things that holds the cape which is similar to what the other guy Tyler playing Superman on his costume has but you know overall it's fantastic so I, I cannot be more than, hap- more than happy for her to have get some pants McCod <laughs> uh, uh, Brooks plays James not Jimmy Olsen is leaving the cast and I think uh, the door will be open for him to return, much like um, when stuff happens with Lena and, and, and Kara, you know, there may be an option or an opportunity for him to come back to kind of help smooth things over, but we'll see how that turns out. But, you know, he played the Guardian, became his own, like, superhero, uh, vigilante, so to speak. And... You know, for a while, it was interesting, you know, in the very beginning, he had a kind of, uh, not a romance, but it was kind of like a, a, a crush or an interest in Kara. Um, and they did kind of kiss, I think, once or twice, but nothing major. Um, but then it just never figured out what to do with him, because even though he was a photographer, he wanted to do something more. And, you know, again, giving him Vigilante, uh, the Guardian of the Vigilante, um, didn't seem like it was enough. He had a romance with Lena. So, I don't know. It just seems like at this point, the character is done. And, yeah, I don't know. It just seems terrible. Um, Nicole Maines, who is Dreamer, is going to be back again for her second season. Which, again, um, the idea of having representation does matter. I just hope for me, just has nothing to do with who she is uh, and what she represents. It's just more about, I want dra- drama. <laughs> I want Dreamer to be a better character, that's all. It's just very, eh, very so-so. Uh, but Melissa uh, is going to be directing for this coming season, so I'm kind of happy about that. Now, the other thing too, that is, again, why am I so enamored with her? Well, there's a post on her Instagram feed in which I saw this and it's the exact same outfit that she's wearing on stage during the Comic-Con is that she's doing this kind of little shaky shaky on her shoulders and a little twirl uh, like a couple of second video but she is just so full of energy so full of happiness and I'm like I want to consume that <laughs> and absorb all that happiness but it's Look at her, she's like, oh my god, you can't help to think how damn cute she looks, you know. But, you know, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen for the next season. So let's move on to Arrow. Finally, the last season, eighth season. Um, what they did was a lot of reminiscing about, you know, things that, how well Stephen has been as a, as a fellow actor and as a leader for the series. Um... But one of the cool things that I kind of um, like, the actor, I forgot his guy's name, for John Diggle, um, the fact that he's been there since the beginning, practically, um, that his character has crossed over into the comics, and that's really cool that, that they wrote him into that. So, he has been very instrumental uh, as being, like, second to, to uh, Oliver in, in the Arrowverse, but one of the cool things that I thought I loved about this was that at one point, this is, I think, another season or two earlier, was that 
when Oliver didn't want to be, you know, the, the, the arrow or the green arrow, Diggle came in and took over. And so instead of having the, the actual bow, he had a, like a crossbow uh, kind of gun. And I'm like, he made that his own. And I'm like, I would love to see John Diggle one day have his own powers or some of his own show. And we'll, we'll see. There was mention about the actress who plays Felicity not appearing in the show at all for the last season. As I mentioned, she went off with the monitor in the future. And she's been wait, waiting to see Oliver all this time. So I don't know how that, that will play. Other than, I'm assuming, because in the future Felicity does survive, that the multiverse or the crisis has been averted. So Oliver's there waiting for her, wherever that may be. The other thing was that uh, Brandon Routh came out. And he opened up his shirt to reveal the the Kingdom Come outfit, uh, the S logo, the red S with a black background, which made me really happy. But it was just kind of fun and odd that why is he showing up on Arrow? You know, not that it's a bad thing because they're all friends, but just like mm, I don't know. But the, I tried to look for my uh, Legends of Tomorrow um, panels. I'm like I didn't find anything. You know how they take a, a stage and answer questions and all that. I could not find any remnants of that other than they were there, they did interviews, and that was it. And I didn't think of much of anything. It didn't work for me. It did not work for me at all. So I'm like, this is terrible. And maybe that's my my uh, reaction to things about. Maybe they're not worthy to be on a panel at Comic-Con, you know? But they have to settle for side interviews. I don't know. So, there you go. In a snap, <laughs> off they go. So, we have the Flash. We have the Big Bad as a character named Bloodwork. Yeah, basically, it's a character that is a hemophiliac and he's looking for his cure. So, basically, it's leading down this path of weird science or bad science. So the, the showrunner talked about how we're going to get like two graphic novel stories for this season. You get the first half before Crisis, you get the Crisis in the middle, and then the second part for another story after that. So as I mentioned before, I, I thought that Flash kind of like kind of stopped halfway through. I just think that if you have a big bad, it has to be an interesting character. And last season, it just kind of meandered in the middle. Just like, I'm, I was really losing hope for this show. So we had little moments that were great, but I'm like, I'm glad they're going with a shorter story arc. Kind of like with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did like three story arcs in one season, and that made for better... Uh, storytelling in my opinion so we'll see what happens with that uh, but there was no mention for who is the big bad in the second part of that um, story arc for that season uh, Cisco is when we see him is happy to be without his powers and you know more balance in his life which he's always been wanting to have for a while uh, Candace also talked about how we'll see Iris be more like the iconic Iris West than we see in the comics. So we'll see how that turns out. And of course, since Excess kind of like sacrificed uh, herself or died, basically, uh, the series does pick up moments, literally moments after that had happened. So Barry and, uh, and Iris will be dealing with their own sense of loss. Um, we'll see Harrison Wells yet again as another version of himself from another earth um, as he put it it's sensual <coughs> whatever that means that character of himself as Harrison Wells will be more sensual and he actually made the audience say it too over and over again uh, we'll see uh, Killer Frost and Caitlin again but it seems to be more about Killer Frost in this season 
And then we get Ralph as a elongated man coming, uh, working on a case that, as he put it, leads into Sue. And Sue, I guess, will be, like in the comics, will be eventually his wife. And we'll see his backstory as well, dealing with family and why he is the way he is. And that's okay. And I'm fine with that, provided you, you got him to do something, right? It's just that uh, it's something about having someone new to the group. Sometimes your voice is not on the exact same level as other characters that have been there as much longer than you. So, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. All right, so that's going to be the end for the Comic-Con portion for all the DC shows. Now I'm going to take a quick break, and then when I come back, I'm going to be talking about the casting news for the upcoming Crisis crossover. Hello, America. You like listening to knowledgeable people who are passionate about what they do? Wilbur does, don't you, Wilbur? But what about Daisy? She likes to listen to shows about pop culture, movies, television, and comic books. Good thing Wilbur and Daisy found the Nerd Bliss Podcast. You, too, can find the Nerd Bliss Podcast at nerdblisspodcast.com and on the ESO Network. Just remember, Nerd Bliss is one word. So now we have now reached the end of the podcast in which I'm going to be talking about all the different people that are going to be on this huge-ass, big-deal crossover. So we have the usual suspects. We have Tom Cavanaugh, who is going to be playing Harrison Wells. He's going to be Pariah, and as well as Ebot Thon who is the Reverse Flash. Stephen Amell is going to be, of course, Oliver Queen and the Green Arrow, and will be playing multiple versions of that same character. Brandon Routh is still going to play Ray Palmer slash The Atom on Legends of Tomorrow. But even more importantly is that we have him playing Superman. But not Superman from... The movie that he did, which was Superman Returns, but rather Superman from the comics called Kingdom Come. So I'm just ecstatic about that altogether. Now the other uh, couple of news items that comes up: Audrey Marie Anderson, who plays Lila Michaels, she is the the wife of John Diggle in the Arrow show, is going to be playing Harbinger. Then we also have Kevin Conroy. If you know that name, he is the voice of Batman and Bruce, May- and Bruce Wayne from the animated series. So he will be playing John. He will be playing Bruce Wayne. Of course, John Cryer is going to be back. Erica Durant, who was Lois Lane for Smallville, is definitely going to be back. The other thing that caught me by surprise was Ashley Scott, who played Helena Kyle slash Huntress from a little show called Birds of Prey that happened many, many moons ago. Uh, Big surprise on that one. I mean, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, but can't we get Dina Meyer also, who played Batgirl slash Oracle, to be on this? I would love for that to have happened. Uh, we have Jonathan Shake. I'm not trying to pronounce his last name, sorry. But he's going to be playing uh, Jonah Hex, which we've seen him before on Legends of Tomorrow a couple of times. And of course, John Wesley Ship is coming back as the Flash from the 80s. Not that I don't mind him playing the Golden Age Flash. I love the Golden Age Flash. But having him in the old costume that I watched all those years ago, it's, uh, it means a big deal to me. Uh, we have Burt Ward, who is the original Robin from the Batman 66 series, also playing the Grayson, but we don't know in what capacity. If he's playing the much older Robin or the much older Dick Grayson, which parting me the latter, not the former, uh, I, I'm still excited to hear that's happening. And we also have Tom Welling, who is playing Clark Kent and... I, I could be off, but I'm pretty sure that he will don the suit to play Superman. So if we know Tom Welling, he played Clark Kent on Smallville. And that was a show that was famously known for 
no tights, no flights, basically. You're never going to see him. I think that even almost to the very last moment in a Superman costume. So I was kind of like, it's a good series, but that kind of restriction really kind of really was too restrictive in my opinion. So the other thing is that I have not been able to confirm, but I know that this was talked about that Linda Carter, who was Wonder Woman, was going to be back playing Wonder Woman. And it's not as if Linda Carter has not been available. She has been on Supergirl for a couple episodes playing the president. So I just can't see anything online that confirms that, yes, she is playing Wonder Woman. I'm pretty sure it will happen, but I don't know where it will happen or when it will happen. But the last thing I'm going to talk about, which kind of like, really? You're going to do this in that kind of realm of, I know it's kind of like a rumor, but uh, CBR.com had talked or had mentioned on a posting that someone did on Instagram about Nicolas Cage as Superman. And if you know that reference, you know that at one time, Nicolas Cage was up for the role of playing Superman called Superman Lives that was going to be directed by Tim Burton. And if you see that movie of whatever happened to the, the, the Return of Superman or Superman Lives, you get to see the actual costume that he was going to be in. And you see Nicolas Cage and his long hair. And it's just, it's just oh, so painful to watch. But wouldn't that be the most absurd thing to see? On this crossover and it'd be the most magical thing ever that would blow my mind and I really sincerely doubt this will happen but it has been reported that the one of the producers Mark Guggenheim uh, made a comment it's like what makes you think we haven't contacted him I'm sure they pitched this to everybody they could think of who knows if this will ever happen? Because I cannot find any information on IMDb. I can't find any other postings anywhere confirming this. So, if anything, maybe they're keeping a couple of things close to the vest. And they want us to have surprises. Not that it's not been, like, mind-blowing to have this kind of lineup. The fact that you see not only Brandon Routh in the Kingdom Come outfit... Not that he's not working out to get back in shape to put on the Superman uniform, but to see him standing next to Tyler, who's also playing a Superman from the Supergirl series, that's fantastic. And then when we have Tom Welling into the mix, come on! In what universe are you not excited about this? For the love of God! God, this is the best thing that has ever happened to the DC Universe. Yes, we're never going to get to that level of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Screw it. We've passed that point. But what the DCCW have done for the past, what, seven years now? Eight years with Arrow? Is that we are actually doing something... On a grand scale that Marvel has done, but on a TV budget. So I'm super happy and I'm super proud to be a DC fan at this point in my life to see what they were able to have accomplished for a lot of people. To finally see that we have. Supergirl flying in the air. We actually have The Flash on TV. We have Green Arrow. I mean, we have so many damn characters that's unbelievable. But the fact that it's all come together and we have this mind-blowing crossover that they've done year after year, but this is the hugest thing 
that I can ever imagine in my life. Yeah, I, just, I know. We have the Avengers Endgame and the Affinity Wars, blah, blah, blah. But come on. DC is my underdog team. Just like the New York Mets were my underdog team. Just like Intellivision was my underdog gaming system. Because everyone loved Atari. Everyone liked the Yankees, you know? But I'm never going for the obvious winner. I'm always rooting for the underdog. So this is that moment, and I cannot wait for that to happen. So, of course, I'm sure there's going to be more news coming out after that. But until the actual crisis moments happen, and which is going to be five episodes, again, I will not be talking about this any further. I will review them after they are aired and to have a big huge podcast and hopefully i can get other people to join in too but until then whatever happens until it airs it's just gonna be icing on the cake more gravy on your potatoes more extra stuffing from stove first i don't know why i'm going with this metaphor except that be excited be proud to be a dc fan and just say yeah, Marvel, you had your day, but this is our day coming up. This is our moment, and you do not take that away from us. So, on that note, finally, this is now done. God damn it. <laughs> I've been waiting and putting this off too long. So, let me know what your thoughts are. Are you excited about this? What are you excited for? Who do you wish they would reach out to be on this damn crisis crossover email me at monster sci-fi show at gmail.com you can follow me on the various social networks including of course instagram and facebook and, and twitter and all that jazz so thank you again for listening to me and to the monster sci-fi show it's sci-fi from a certain point of view good night This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.